Hello, hello again, ding-dongs. It is I, Allison Dixon, back yet again with another episode on our continuing multi-level marketing series with my friend Beverly Banbury. Welcome back, Beverly. Woo! <laughs> Woo! Glad to be here. Yeah, we finally did it. We finally were able to get our lives together to sit down. We mentioned this in the previous episode, but we've been busy uh, and beset with a lot of, you know, various things. And, you know, and so it's it's nice that we can finally wrap this up because people have been asking for it. And I love it. It's so far been probably the most popular series on this show. So I'm really glad that you've been a part of that. Aww. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And to remind you again, uh, if you want to dive back in to the episodes uh, regarding this, when we first discuss all about uh, different multi-level marketing companies, episodes 26, 27, and 28. Um, and also the episode uh, right before this one, previous episode will give you a nice little uh, additional wrap up uh, to the Amway uh, controversy, I guess we'll say, um, even though that word feels a little too strong for this. But you know, some Amway people were not happy with the show. So, um, so we just acknowledged them and gave a little more information. So, um, but now we are going to talk about a lot of different things. This is going to be a wrap up, essentially. But that doesn't mean that I don't intend to go after MLMs again in the future. I think it's going to be kind of a common they're they're they are a a regular enemy. So please keep sending me your stories, keep reaching out to me on this topic. But you know, we have to put an end to it at some point in order to just say, all right, we can move on to other things. If something else happens, we'll gather again. But here today, we're going to be talking about some of the worst MLM stories we've come across online. And we're also going to talk a little bit about an older multi-level marketing company we mentioned in the previous episode, and that is Holiday Magic. And many of you might not even recognize that name off the bat, but it is easily one of the most horrendous MLMs to have existed and resulted in a lawsuit that essentially put them out of business. And so Beverly, I when we were trying to figure out how we wanted to wrap up this episode, or, you know, do this episode, do this mm -hmm. big wrap up, and we were kind of struggling. And then I heard about Holiday Magic on the dream of some of the most messed mm -hmm. up stuff I'd ever heard about anything, about any cult or any organization. I was truly shocked. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, Beverly, look into this company. I didn't, I didn't prime you very much, but I'm like, just, just dig a little and we'll talk about them. And because they are a horror story. You got to pull my notes up though. No, 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 that's fine. <laughs> that. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's totally good. That's totally good. I have a lot of notes over here too. So I'm always like, uh, am I scrolling in the right place? Well, you know what? While you're going over your info, I'll, I will give you a, a horror story to start with to wet our appetites. Okay. And I want to say that a lot of these I, I got from Reddit. Um, and I'm not going to name names. I'm just I'll post the Reddit thread in the sh in the show notes. I don't want to put any names out there without anybody's permission. But since it is a public thread, I will read posts at least anonymously. Okay, so the first one, my mom lost her house to MLM debt. And after multiple interventions, finally getting her to meet with a counselor, the counselor said, you're choosing between your children and a juice company. And she stood up and said, yes, I am and walked out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was pretty much impossible to manage a relationship with her when the company was active. It has since gone under as they almost all do. But that was over a decade of agony. There was a time I would just put in their website just to see it was no longer active for that little glimmer of peace in my soul. She is back in my life and I'm grateful for that. 
but basically pretend none of that happened because she will still defend the company. It's loads of cognitive dissonance. It's almost like if someone saw you drowning, refused to extend their hand, and then when you miraculously survived said, I'm so glad you're okay. There's just an inherent emotional tension. It's also not the first MLM that she completely ran herself into the ground with. If she got on board again, I think I would just have to cut ties entirely. And I think I've indicated as much. I want to say that I think she understands that and would never join another MLM in order to keep us in her lives. But I also never thought I'd hear her explicitly and profoundly choose a fucking juice cult over her children. So fingers crossed, I guess. Yeah. That was just honestly heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. I... Uh... Yeah, uh, I actually I actually heard one about Amway too. Let me just before I do dive into holiday magic, that also broke my heart. These this person was saying it might even be the same thread. I have no idea because I think I saw it on Reddit. But this person was saying that their parents uh, were on Amway or, or were in Amway, I should say, and um, that they really couldn't afford it and they couldn't afford to eat. And her mother actually was under such malnutrition, she stopped menstruating. And it was all so they could keep working Amway. Like, her health was suffering that much. Literal malnutrition. I actually do have that one here. And yeah, she apparently didn't know that she was pregnant until well into the second trimester. And one of the prescription meds she was on caused birth defects. And so they had to have a reconstructive surgeon in the delivery room to make sure that she didn't have a severe jaw deformity, apparently, apparently didn't have any problems. But I mean, the parents were, they were in dire straits over that. And one of the comments to that post really struck with me too, was like, because apparently the parents got out of Amway, put their lives back together and started working legitimately Mm -hmm. again. She ultimately saved that family just by being born, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, just because I mean, they were in such a place that their lives were falling apart. They were malnourished, they were starving, and they were Mm -hmm. pregnant. That's the mindset that you're put into. And remember this. Honestly, remember these stories, because the last one I'm going to talk about, some might find controversial, and Beverly doesn't know about this, so I'm going to be dropping this bomb on your head. But just remember these stories, please, as as we continue to talk. So, holiday magic. Now, I didn't remember ever hearing about this, and I think it's because it was actually dissolved in 1974, and as we established in a recent episode, I was born in 75, so... (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So, so holiday magic actually starts with um, almost like a legend, okay? So, uh, the the guy who started it was named William Penn Patrick. Total nutbag. Sounds... Very waspy, also. Oh, I love it. Oh, yeah. It's so American. Right? You know, William Penn Patrick. He absolutely has like a copy of How to Win Friends and Influence People on every bookshelf oh, in his house. 100%. Yeah, yeah. 100%. <laughs> uh, the story goes that in 1964, and by the way, he'd already had like bankruptcies and failed businesses before this. But, anyways, this, this youngish man, Patrick, walking down the road and, and he sees um a garage sale or something like that where he sees like all this stock and the person had all this fruit scented cosmetics and it was a company called zoline i assume that's how you pronounce it z-o-l-e-n-e or zed if you're canadian and british and basically the zoline was going to go out of business so our our hero here patrick hero that's in quotes by the way you can't see my scare quotes um he he purchased all of their supplies for a little over sixteen thousand dollars which, I mean, you got to figure in the 60s. I, I didn't do the math, but I'm sure that would be a lot more money today. Definitely. And he used all of that stuff to found a company, Holiday Magic. 
And I honestly don't know why it was called Holiday Magic. To my knowledge, it had nothing to do with holidays. But no, I don't know. Maybe somebody else knows something I don't. But anyways, so he um, he actually started selling distributorships in the company. So he actually had this idea already of this sort of MLM type structure, even though it wasn't very well established at the time. So another interesting thing, though. This wasn't just a regular old business guy. <laughs> now, I remember hearing about some of this stuff when I was a kid, and probably people much younger than us will have no idea what any of this stuff is. But uh, Patrick, or William, excuse me, or Patrick was his last name. All these first names. Oh, so many. Uh, anyway, <laughs> we'll just call him Patrick. I like that. This is his last name. So Patrick then at that point um, is into this stuff called Mind Dynamics and the Silva Method. Now, I remember my I had a Silva Method book. My grandma was really into psychic powers and like that kind of thing, paranormal stuff or, or uh, parapsychology, they called it back then. So I actually had flipped through it and it was this method for, you know, mind control and psychic powers and mind dynamics I hadn't heard of, but it's kind of similar, except it also kind of has a business focus. Okay. Also the woo-woo stuff, but, all, but, a, but a business focus. Uh, and Patrick was a, uh, a student, direct student of, of the guy that started mind dynamics. So he was kind of all up in that. I'm just seeing all this, these, this mid, early mid 20th century ultra businessman, you know, making money, hyper capitalist, using all the woo, like to go with it, the power of positive thinking and, you know, all that crap. So, oh, definitely, definitely. And, and, but they, they had these meetings and some guy even wrote a book about him. I think mm -hmm. it was called The Pit, The Pit or something yes, like that. Yes. Yes. And, and they're, they used these techniques that were apparently came from mind dynamics where people would be like strung up, like they were on a cross, not nailed obviously, but like, 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 like tied to a cross right. and had to sit and endure this for some period of time. Weren't they being like, uh, like ridiculed and, and people. Well, that's exactly what I was going to yeah. say. And then also like, and then there's all this like group humiliation stuff and, and you didn't always have to be on the cross for the group humiliation, but like that was all part of it. And or laying in a coffin. I think that was another one. Oh yeah, yeah, the coffin, the coffin. Again, yeah. I apologize for being disorganized and not knowing no. where all of my notes are. But that's fine. We, we do uh, this together, Beverly. Teamwork. Yes. I know. So yeah, so all this really crazy stuff was going on, and 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 that's that attempt at mind control. He was literally taking this information he had learned literally under the name of mind control yes and he was trying to do it to other people and this type of thing of course is classic cult behavior Absolutely. the group humiliation is just like textbook um anyways eventually after a lot of chaos uh they were sued and what's funny is uh in 1973 they were sued by avon for something called calumny which is basically just definite defamation. But apparently these holiday magic people were going around and actually handing out flyers, like accusing Avon people of like having Avon goon squads and like, <laughs> and like, and like they accused them of all these illegal things, like paying off, you know, government officials. And so of course I'm sure none of that was true. I mean, maybe some of it was, but Avon was not yet an MLM in the seventies. Right. So it probably not. N no, yeah, I think it was a little later, yeah. Yeah, and the state of California even sued them and like the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, like investigated them and they actually were found guilty by the FTC of deceptive trade practices. It was before justice officially died in this country. It sounds like Yeah. <laughs> 
and like they even they even got sued in Sweden. Yeah, and uh, they were fined millions of kroner, which I don't know how much that is in U.S. dollars, but but it's probably a lot. Yeah. And uh, anyway, so uh, basically, and then the guy, and then Patrick himself ends up dying in like '74, I think. And and um, once he dies, everything just kind of falls apart between his death and the lawsuits, because it was it was very much a cult of personality thing as well as this business oh yeah and so when he wasn't there anymore like it was kind of bound to fall apart at some point but then when you add in all of the the financial losses and and lawsuits and this and that like yeah it just it just couldn't last and i think a year after he died so i think 74 or 75 again i'm forgetting precise years but uh and that's when the company oh i think yeah 74 it dissolved that's right so he must have died the previous year yeah and and that makes sense because that is also then why it sounds like the uh the lawyers that had gone after um holiday magic immediately jumped on to amway using the same evidence the mm-hmm. same laws the same statutes uh to sue them for and they had basis i mean that was the thing is like there was plenty of basis and they had gone after successfully gone after these companies up until you find one that just happens to make friends with the president um and that yeah, that's there you really go. i mean the the main difference here and it really shows too how again hashtag not a lawyer as well but it does show though how a judge can make or break a case there's so many instances where a judge won't allow certain evidence or won't consider certain evidence or allow a jury to consider certain evidence and so they have the jury is very much uh cornered into how they can rule um i just watched the documentary the curious case of natalia grace on hbo it's one of the nuttiest things I've ever seen in my life, but it, it basically came down to a case of uh, child abandonment and child abuse or adult neglect mm-hmm. and abuse. And the jury knew that the father was guilty of neglect, but they couldn't rule on that because of certain evidence the judge wouldn't let them consider. So he got off. Yeah. And so that's just an example. Another example of just because, you know, you have all the evidence in the world, there's so many things that get in the way between making your case and getting the verdict that you want to get or that justice that needs to be served it's still a long shot i mean like we we like to think of judges as these like impartial wise beings and and i i'm sure many of them are like i i have a lot of respect for for the law and for this kind of thing in 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 the abstract intellectual sense, because there's a lot of really neat stuff. Absolutely. And a lot, I'm sure, again, a lot of judges that really believe in justice and impartiality, but, but we're, again, we're human beings. Mm -hmm. So we are going to, we are going to have biases that we may not be aware of. Mm -hmm. And we may also be fully aware of our biases and lean into them. It's hard to know. Yeah. Um, So anyways, yeah. This is one example too of, we know that at least before Amway rewrote the book and a lot of laws have come in and make it a lot harder mm-hmm. to break these uh, companies up that at one point our our country was very interested in doing something about it. But come the mid 70s, that all kind of flip flopped. And so now here we are. And I think we're in another situation at the moment where it feels like companies are getting a lot more uh, ballsy about what they're putting out there or not putting out there. And I think we're about to have another round of potential, possibly potential lawsuits, depending on where things go. I mean, we just we just don't know. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. And I mean, all the stuff that happened with LuLaRoe Mm -hmm. and all this other stuff. I mean, I mean, there there is a point at which they go too far. And I, I forgot one really interesting thing that I did find when I was reading about Holiday Magic is they were actually used apparently in in law school 
courses as an example of corporate scam. But um, so yeah, I, I just think it's interesting. And like Columbia Law Review in Chicago and like, yeah, so it was it was it was really interesting that this is an example that still apparently gets taught or, or was being taught fairly recently. It, it needs to be. And what's interesting, though, is such a dissonance has been created between like, oh, yeah, you know, this company, Holiday Magic, they were really bad. And they were very bad. They were building up a genuine cult in addition to Mm -hmm. the scam, the pyramid scam. But uh, when you talk about the abuse and everything that happened, it's very much an extreme version of of this. But um, but ultimately, we're still doing that. And that it was so we make it sound like, oh, this is a thing we dealt with. And then this and then, you know, we came along and we rewrote the rules. And so now, you know, this is legal. And this is what people are being told whenever they're being pitched on joining an MLM. Oh, we we took care of the illegal pyramid scheme. This wouldn't be illegal or I wouldn't do anything illegal. It's not a pyramid scheme. And it's like, come on. And the other thing is, like, hearkening back to your recent Ding Dong Ditch episode where we talked, we kind of wrapped up the Amway thing. The person who left the review said the people who don't make it or the majority of people don't make it because they're lazy and they're losers Mm -hmm. and all that stuff. Guess what? That's a mini version of people being denigrated while lying in a coffin or hanging on a cross. Exactly. you're, you're doing the exact same thing psychologically speaking, not physically, but psychologically speaking. And that's one of the, the these connections are to these other like groups, like such as cults. Mm-hmm. This is why we see these connections because the connections exist. Yes. You know, uh, I mean, putting people down who either don't believe what you believe or can't be successful in an unfair framework. And yet somehow it's still their fault. And, and, you know, you wear them down, you wear them down and, and so they spend more money and that's that's it's it's the same thing. And and really what we're looking at here too is that kind of abuse very much like you said we're still doing it. Listen to that beach body mm-hmm. episode that I did with my friend Jackie where I played a recording that was from an internal meeting between mm-hmm. sellers of beach body and it was one of the most deranged weird abusive things I've ever heard. I I was my jaw was dropping listening to that episode. Yeah, and it's the whole meeting started out as like the most like degrade imagine your boss just telling you what a fucking loser you are and how I got where I got because I never took a break and and I don't care if your dog died I'd have I'd be making calls from the vet I was just blown away an MLM you know it's basically just a gathering of so many tiny organizations right your upline your downline whatever might not be that toxic but that doesn't mean that it's not happening and somebody else's upline. Yeah. And I would like to say just kind of in, in fairness, I don't know every single MLM. I don't know every network marketing company. I mean, I'm sure there are some that are not this bad. I, I've definitely read about some ones that are a little smaller and seem a little bit kinder. I mean, I still will never like the business model because it still is, it's is predatory. something that it's predatory and, it, and it's more likely to harm your finances than help it. So I'm not, I'm not saying this as a fan. I'm not saying everybody gets into this sort of really wild abusive stuff, but it happens probably way more than you think as well. And what's really sad. I remember there on, I keep referencing the dream because it's that good, but the, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. um, there was a woman on there who was um helping one of the hosts. She was a friend of hers. She was a makeup artist and stuff. And she, joined an MLM called Limelight, which is a makeup uh, MLM just to see how it worked. And, you know, so she 
put her own money in and, and or imagine production budget money, but they put their own money in and kind of went along with it just to see how it would go. And they immediately found that they were actually literally behaving like a closed system pyramid scheme that is illegal, but they are out operating and doing it because of the way that they priced their uh, items for retail. It would cost like $10 for the seller to buy a stick of lipstick to then turn around and sell it for like 20 some or whatever. Well, yeah, Walgreens is not paying those or not not selling at those kind of margins. Guys. Not like, at all. And so and another sad thing is she went to this limelight convention conference. They all have their conferences, right? And they cost a lot oh, of money to go to. And you got to pay. You got to pay. <laughs> and she went and the saddest thing in the world and she was broken by this experience is that Aww. most of the women and I, and I will say women because it was almost all women were there sure. had the saddest stories they were they everybody who went was having trouble making sales every one of them mm -hmm. and they wanted to go there and get mm -hmm. pointers on how to uh, be successful and there were people there there was a woman there who just wanted to make enough money to buy her husband a gravestone because he had been without a yeah. headstone for since he died. And there was and the other people there oh. that were in such awful, dire straits. And then you have these people yelling at them or talking down to them and spouting nothing but platitudes and telling them to keep going and spending more money all while they fucking know every one of these people is going to probably be left penniless or worse. And it's sick. If you were a community, mm -hmm. you would have gathered together and you would have paid for that fucking headstone. Yeah together you would have right. crowdfunded or whatever with crowdfunding back then if you were a community you would not let the members of your community have these problems this is not an organization of friends and i think that you're you're lured in by thinking that they're going to be your friends they're going to be your friend as long as you're in it once you're out or once you tap out or realize you can't do anymore literally cannot afford to do this for another day you lose those friendships and and these horror stories that i i have listed there were so many that I went through like that, that mm -hmm. people that were lonely or or just scared or just starting out in life. And they were latched onto by an Amway person or a Mary Kay person and they went into debt. This one got me too. So this is another Amway story from that Reddit post. We had a person get on the team who was clearly struggling financially. They decided at a team gathering to share that they were literally putting every last dollar they had into, quote, making their Amway business work. His wife said they couldn't really afford heat and had frost on their windows during the winter months. It broke my heart for them. A horror story of my own. I sold my wedding band to pay for con conference tickets. A series of unfortunate events happened in our life while we were deep in Amway. I refused to use a credit card for the conference ticket as we had been told that wasn't, quote, sowing good seeds. I begged my spouse to go pawn it and get enough for the tickets. I finally managed to convince him that we had to be at the conference. He told me he cried on the way home after selling it. It's a smaller story, but just imagine, multiply this. By many thousands, there are probably so many like this. Exactly. It's small, but it's like illustrative. And I know that uh, in the LuLaRoe documentary, mm -hmm. what was it called? A Lula Rich. Lula Rich, that's it. Uh, that I know one of the ladies they interviewed talked about her marriage falling apart because of it. You know, and I, we've talked about sunk costs before, the sunk cost fallacy. We don't have to get into it again. But uh, I do want to mention it because if you're only hearing this first and not the previous episodes, it's something that will keep you doing 
what you're doing, even when it is not good, because you feel like you've already put in so much time, effort, or money. Right. And so it's got, it's just got to work. Right. And unfortunately, that that is that is just not always the case. So you're absolutely right. And I mean, there's a another one. This one. This one. <laughs> so many of these piss me off. Um, this is one from Arbon, which is another kind of lifestyle uh, supplements, oils, whatever. Uh, yeah, kind of shampoos. Shampoos, stuff, yeah. yeah. And uh, apparently they're one of the worst ones. But people are asking me to cover Arbon. I'll have to do it at some other time. But um, mm -hmm. I met this girl who was forming a friendship with me, but later realized it was just to sell me Arbon. This classic story. Um, after mm -hmm. signing me up and getting me to purchase all this bullshit, she brought back some pack from Vegas uh, that was new products and was like $400. I didn't want it, but she got me one. So I scraped up the money to pay for it. She also convinced me to do their nutrition thing and quit taking my meds. I'm bipolar mm -hmm. and that ended really badly. <sighs> Her husband liked to gossip about how it ended badly for me when I quit taking my meds. He thought my breakdown was hilarious and would tell the story to anyone who would listen. I finally publicly posted about his wife's affair to shut him up. I guess everyone has skeletons, huh? So that one, oh my God. That, that one takes you on a little journey, doesn't it? Like, um, shitty people treating people really badly. And this isn't the first one I've seen stories where mothers who've had stillborn children or multiple miscarriages were hit up by people from Herbalife and Arbon and, and Young Living and all these oil companies like saying, oh, if you take these, your baby won't die. Um, one of the stories I read uh, elsewhere on Huffington Post, I believe, I don't know, one of these listicles about MLM horror stories. And there are so many for a reason. But uh, it actually, it's about cancer. So it's a similar theme. Um, it says, it says this, when I announced to my friends and family on Facebook, I'd been diagnosed with thyroid cancer. I received friend requests from a friend from high school's two sisters. I had not talked with this friend since high school and her sisters were people I'd never met. I immediately thought, oh no, they're in a pyramid scheme. They want me to join. And I was correct. I added them to be courteous. And here's kind of where, you know, just as an aside from me, Beverly here, like sort of, you don't have to accept people you think are trying to recruit you into a scam. But anyways, I added them to be curious and also a lot of morbid curiosity at how long it would take for them to descend upon me. One wrote immediately asking if I'd seen her post about the Plexus pink drink. The other waited a month and wrote me to introduce herself and immediately launched into asking if I had tried Plexus and if I wanted the info on it. The sister said nothing about my cancer diagnosis, but clearly told her sisters, sorry, the friend had said nothing about the cancer diagnosis, but had clearly told her sisters about it. So they could circle around me like vultures looking for a potential cancer success story that they could take credit for instead of the world-renowned hospital and doctors treating me. It was also gross, and I wanted to call them out on their predatory behavior, acting like they weren't aware of my situation, but clearly trying to take advantage of it. But I didn't want to engage, so I just ignored it completely. Unbelievable. Yeah, and, and that's not even one of the worst ones I've heard by any means, but I read it and I was like, yeah, thankfully this person already kind of knew what's up. Yeah. Um, but it's still, it's so disappointing. Like, you're fighting cancer and you've got to deal with this shit too. And I mean, I've even heard parents who were approached to tell them that their autistic kids could be 
cured, quote unquote. <laughs> so gross. In fact, um, mm-hmm. in that Reddit thread, there was somebody who used to do that herself and she's gotten out and is trying to make mm-hmm. um, amends, essentially, uh, for doing this to a lot of people. She would actually, they talk about, people who've gotten out of MLMs talk a lot about the shameful practices that they opted to do to make the sale because mm-hmm. that is what their upline is telling them to do, or this is the best way to do it, or they just become so convinced about what they're doing is being good or righteous. Amway plays a lot into that. It's it's amazing to me how many people after they're out will say, like, I did these awful things. That wasn't something I ever imagined that I would do or something that I would think would be right. But once you're in that situation where you've made this investment, you're getting all this pressure around you to participate in the way that you're supposed to, to make it work. And what you ultimately find is you're ending up alienating so many people in your family and friends circles and your social circles. And a lot of people don't realize how bad it is until they get out and they realize that, wow, all the people that I had before this are not here. Um, And that's the one thing that I, I, what makes me strongly urge people like just don't go down that road because you, the work you're going to have to do after is going to be pretty immense. I'm glad that we're leading up to this. Cause I think I want to just, I, I need to dive into my controversial topic and I wrote something out cause this is going to, people are going to probably have some thoughts and you included. And I just want to make sure that, I made the made the point that I was trying to make by the end of this, and then we'll discuss it. I want to tell a final MLM horror story that might be a little controversial, but I'm going to ask folks to bear with me and understand that I'm trying to make a very delicate point here, and you're going to need to resist jumping to the most obvious moral pillar, though I know some of you will regardless. But I feel strongly about this, and I can't conclude this series without broaching this topic. I'm going to discuss one of the more well-known murder cases of the last decade involving an American family that seemed pretty ideal to any outside observer. We begin with a hardworking husband and father and a loving stay-at-home mother and wife with a penchant for running various side businesses. They had two young daughters and a baby boy on the way, and they all shared a beautiful home in a well-to-do Colorado suburb. The mother loved to post daily videos on social media of their happy family life sending the message to an eager internet that even in this crazy world, joy, love, and success were still in rich supply. But that's the problem of social media. Above all else, it's about careful image curation. Every single one of us, whether we like to admit it or not, projects an image we're comfortable with the wider world seeing. And that image rarely includes glimpses of the darker, uglier underbelly. In the case of this family... We didn't see the immense financial strain they were under. They'd already had one bankruptcy, and a study of their financial records indicates they were quickly working on a second bankruptcy. Their big, beautiful home on the brink of foreclosure due to several missed mortgage payments, and that loving, hardworking husband, well, he was having an affair with a younger, unattached woman. We would only learn through terrible retrospect of the myriad cracks in this family's carefully crafted facade, and in those cracks was breeding something particularly noxious. Late one night, the husband waited for his pregnant wife to return from a business conference. 
He then strangled her and their two little girls and took their bodies out to an oil field where he would hide the girls in an underground oil tank and then bury his wife in a shallow grave. He was soon caught, eventually confessed, and he currently sits in prison. This case has been covered to a massive extent, but what most never mention is the MLM connection. And it's hard. I get it. If we talk about how one of the murder victims was involved in at least six multi-level marketing schemes and that those schemes mounted massive debt that added to the family's faltering dynamic from the finances and bankruptcies and constant videos on social media, which were actually in most cases sales pitches for whatever products she was selling, it might sound like we're saying she's to blame for the actions of her sick, murdering bastard of a husband, but that's hugely reductive. And it's not the discussion I'm looking to have. Only he is responsible for the horrible choice he made and no one else. I want to make that clear. What I want to talk about instead are conditions. I want to talk about how every single marriage and family is its own individual pressure cooker and how some of those pressure cookers have far better regulation valves than others. I'm actually not even sure this couple had a regulation valve at all. The pressure just built and built over time. And couples that engage in this level of financial irresponsibility and refuse to address the problems that lead to it head on are also not as likely to talk about other problems they might be having. The sorts of problems that lead to a lack of affection, that lead to affairs and other secrets, deeply repressed resentments stack and stack and warp the people holding on to them. So let's take this back to MLMs because I know that I've said a lot here. Take everything we've talked about regarding the culture they encourage, success at all costs, the power of belief. If you work the program, it'll work for you. Fake it till you make it, all while you're pissing countless dollars down the drain, convinced you'll make it back tenfold if you just keep working it. Sell the illusion long enough, it'll become real. Make videos welcoming the outside world to look at your perfect house and perfect husband and perfect babies and all with the message that you too can have this dream if you do what I do. Join me and become your own boss too. It's only after digging through thousands of pieces of discovery after the worst possible outcome that we know this was all a lie. And while that lie was being sold to all of us, a storm was brewing, a storm that this woman did not see coming because her head was in a different set of clouds, one that blinds you to what's so obvious to all of us looking in from the outside, where we wish we could do anything to go back in time and find a way to tell her to get out, to get away. He's doing very bad things and he's about to do the worst thing a person can do. And you're not seeing it because you've also been sold this lie that if you keep doing this hustle, it'll all pay off in the end. He'll love you again and all those little cracks will finally heal. And one might argue that this would have been the outcome if she'd been in any other hardcore line of work, like say an ER doctor or a lawyer. It's one thing that kept recurring to me as I was writing this and that I wanted to make sure that I was able to answer for But given everything I've learned about multi-level marketing companies, the financial and emotional ruin they leave in their wake, and all the people who enter into them with the best of intentions, only to find the promised pot of gold is actually a bottomless pit, I can't help but think that the MLMs were a particularly noxious ingredient to turn this marital pressure cooker into a bomb that destroyed not only this family, but the lives of all the people connected to them. And in case no one has figured it out yet, I'm talking about Chris and Shanann Watts. And again... 
I blame Chris Watts for making the choice he made. I'm almost done. He is a coward, a narcissist, a liar, a murderer of babies. He could have chosen divorce. He could have just packed his bags and left. He could have killed himself. But none of those things would have brought him the sympathy he felt he was due after so many years living this sham of a life that he participated in and helped build. He hated her so much, he had to make her look like the bad guy. Even after she was found murdered, he told the world that she killed the kids and he killed her in response. This is the response of someone who's tightly locked himself up in an iron maiden of woe is me. It's bullshit. But I've also studied a lot of family annihilation cases, and they all follow a similar track of an explosive homicidal situation after years of buildup involving a lot of financial and other marital issues and passive aggressive behavior. And I believe Amway, It Works, Origami Owl, Unique, 31 and Thrive, all companies that Shanann tirelessly shilled for, the latter of which right up until the day she died, for helping to create the toxic, desperate positions that would lead one to even consider such an extreme and horrific off-ramp. And again, maybe Chris would have done it anyway, but it would have had to been something to create similar conditions of obsession, compulsion, and financial ruin, like say, a drug or gambling addiction. And in fact, I find it kind of intellectually dishonest that the MLM involvement in this case has been obscured so much in the telling of it. When it shares so many parallels with those other destructive behaviors, I believe if it had been revealed that Shanann Watts had a secret gambling addiction that put them into financial dire straits, that would have been a much more loudly discussed factor that led to the murders on par with the affair Chris was having. But if we ever want to talk honestly about this particular murder case or the damage caused by multi-level marketing companies, we have to face the fact that involvement in these organizations is kryptonite. For many relationships, this just happens to be the most extreme of possible outcomes. Oh, yeah. No, you know what? I did know that story. I um, I even heard a show at some point, and I don't remember which one, where they actually did mention all of the MLMs and some of the financial difficulties that it had caused. And I mean, again, like if it's not clear already from what Allison said, absolutely not blaming her for her own murder. She right. didn't do anything to deserve this. This is not at all how I feel. I, I'm confident it's not how Ellison feels. We're only noting that it is one of the pieces of the puzzle. Um, like you said, uh, Chris probably would have done this horrible stuff anyway, or some other kind of horrible thing. Maybe the timing would have been different. Maybe the circumstances would have been different. But the fact that she was into so many, what is it? You said six? Six or seven. Yeah. Yeah. She she definitely was like, probably did need some kind of help or intervention, but certainly, certainly nothing like this. My my heart is, is with her and those babies. Mm -hmm. um, so again, I just want to say, yeah, make no mistake. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I, mm -hmm. I had a hard time when I heard about this many years ago. And, and knowing that she was into Thrive and, and feeling it a little problematic that the documentary had done everything they could to like not include any of that mm -hmm. to make it really it really made people think that this almost came out of thin air he, like he just started having this affair and then you know they might have hinted at some financial problems but we didn't know the source of them and it's like all these things create conditions that that add to that toxic mix that can either blow up or, you know, in most cases, it doesn't go this way. But family annihilators are, 
they're rare, but when they pop off, I mean, you see what happens and, and mm-hmm. it, it's, it's nobody can predict that. But I, no. I just felt like it needed to be said because I think people don't talk about it enough and MLMs aren't talked about in this light enough. It's, it legitimizes the MLMs to not talk about it. Like that wasn't a factor and it absolutely, in my opinion, um, really was. So the financial difficulties wouldn't have been as bad anyway if there hadn't been all of the desperation like it sounds like she was desperate and just like a gambler kind of mm-hmm. thought like you know oh if i just keep gambling like i'm mm-hmm. gonna make it and and one more hand of cards and i'll win one more mlm and it'll pay and and you know it really is and and these mlms these are exactly who they go after they go after people exactly like shanann watts and you know she worked outside the home for a number of years made good money but then she started having a family. She also had a lot of medical debt because I think she had mm-hmm. lupus or something along those lines. So she had a lot of health issues. And and a lot of people that are in those situations that struggle to find a way to work outside the home, even COVID or not, this is often a vi- considered a viable option. And it really just is not. And I don't know. I think it's just a, a way to be, um, try to be honest with people about the way that these MLMs affect relationships and families and marriages and everything in between. I, I felt like we couldn't end this without really showing the darkest of the dark side of, of MLMs. And when, when they let, when you let them into your life and what they can kind of make you into Uh, Chris Watts is where he belongs and uh, you know, I hope he's having a horrible time. So But uh, that's the note I wanted to end this on. I know that's kind of a dour note, but I'm so glad you were here with me uh, through this entire series, really, and uh, mm. and hope to have you back so we could talk about more scammers and more grifters. And, <laughs> you know, because we were talking about that. I'm like, we you need to be my grifter girl and we're going to just make it happen. We're going to yeah, gonna pound, pound some, you know, people <laughs> That doesn't sound this, bad. We're gonna, yeah, sound well, bad. that sounds dirty. Now, <laughs> uh, this, what's 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 awesome about this is actually, I mean, and I've always been interested in this stuff. I mean, literally since I was a kid, any sort of mm-hmm. weird, like, maladaptive human behavior has always been of interest to me. Right. But I'm particularly interested in this type of thing and wellness scams and that sort of thing. And and um and one of my favorite podcasts, like, I get to shout them out finally uh, without it feeling like I'm just shoving it in there um, <laughs> yes. um maintenance, maintenance phase with uh Aubrey Gordon and Michael Hobbs I highly recommend if you are interested in this sort of thing they focus specifically on wellness and uh wellness grift and also just some of the myths around things like weight and uh weight bias in medicine and uh, anyway it's just so well done they're both funny they're both brilliant and uh, I now I get to talk about the same stuff. Sorry, yes, what was that? <laughs> yes, I love that. I love the sound of that. And that's the kind of podcast I really want to tune into because mm-hmm. you're, I mean, that's important work. The uh, maintenance phase, anybody who's ever been part of diet culture knows those mm-hmm. two words very well. And mm-hmm. uh, and so I love that they are doing that kind of work. And yeah, I'd absolutely love to join in on that um, and expose some of these people because the fans of this show have a big overlap with the true crime community and i think they Mm -hmm. also really love this discussion of scammers scam artists and mlms and things like that because uh when it comes to crime there's all different kinds it ain't just murder and Mm -hmm. i think um you know we need to really uh look at 
uh, a lot of this stuff a lot more closely to keep people from losing what little wealth that they have because in this day and age it takes a lot to scrape together some some coins <laughs> it absolutely does like, oh my god it's not easy out there man like, no no i got two two 20 somethings that are trying to get out into the world and they're like it feels impossible i'm like yeah i know <laughs> I don't know what to do. Yeah, do an MLM. Well, like my stepson. <laughs> yeah, right. My stepson actually um, is 19, so pretty mm -hmm. close to an age to your 20-year-old, obviously. And and uh, he originally wanted to move out and get his own place with some friends. You know, when he started his first year of college, and I was like, okay, good luck mm -hmm. finding a place you guys can afford. And and uh, yeah. Anyways, he's living at home. Uh, at the end. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> the end of that and that was his choice he was like you know you're right this is not great and of course in yeah. the toronto area where we are rents are just crazy high oh so. and you know at his age too is when i see a lot of these other mlms that are not like the direct sales like what we've been talking about like mostly on this series you know the people that hang out in like a walmart or a sam's club and they're trying to sell you a phone plan or a new energy plan mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. you know the people always try to grab you for the satellite service and stuff those people are not working for direct tv or verizon or mm. they are working for essentially an mlm type company and they reel in college students left and right and they're in job listings on indeed yep. and things like that and they disguise it very well my son my oldest son has fallen for those a few times and i'm like if you're not sure go over to reddit and type that name in and i guarantee you you will find some information that and you know who else uh, targets really young people also is cutco Oh, the yeah. Nice thing. And what it to me, like selling knives door to door is mental. We're in the 21st century. Nobody's selling anything door to door anymore. But yeah, um, one and one of my son's friends actually almost got caught into that. Like uh, he came and told me, oh, you know, so and so is going for an interview. And I was like, oh, that's nice. Where? And he said, oh, I don't know, someplace like something about knives. And I was like, ping. I was like, uh, <laughs> OK, I need to talk to your friend right now. <laughs> yes anyways i i believe i saved that young person from joining cutco so oh good i mean we do, do everything that we can right um because yeah. that's the thing the young people they that they are perfect prey they're almost as perfect prey for the mm -hmm. same reason a senior citizen might be because they or or any vulnerable person let's just say that mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. you yeah. know they might not have the resources or the know-how or the you know that if they haven't been in touch with it so yeah and you don't um, have the experience you don't know what right. it is like to have a job interview yet you don't you know you don't know how it works and and uh it's right. it's not hard to get caught up in something like yeah really so yeah double check those uh those listings especially if they're saying you can make all this money and you don't need any experience mm -hmm. um and it's not a company you recognize and they're and, and, and they're not being upfront with things like benefits and wages and things that's probably not a legitimate job listing it's probably an mlm that is several layers below like a main thing it's like one of amway's mm -hmm. little spinoffs or something so yeah that's just one last little tidbit that you know we want to leave you with before we sign off but yeah. um yeah so beverly i thank you again and also please tell the world where they can find you because you are an amazing book publicist and they need your services i guarantee you <laughs> Well, a lot of people you. listening that <laughs> is very kind and yeah it's um <clears throat> um excuse me uh my name is of course beverly bambury b-a-m-b-u-r-y and honestly all you gotta do is google me because i'm kind of everywhere i'm a very public person i'm an extrovert and that that holds true online as well as in person <laughs> so 
Yeah, like tw- Twitter, Blue Sky, Facebook, Instagram, like Reddit, whatever. Anywhere you can think of, you're going to find me. <laughs> yeah, and I will have links in the show notes so you can check out what Beverly does and just follow her on the social medias because she's just a fun fun person. So, um, and I um, am at uh, ddarknesstime at gmail.com. Please forward any queries or complaints or whatnot to there or leave a review. Um, I, I love the five-star reviews, but you know, the one-star reviews can be pretty entertaining as well as, as we learned um, but uh, you can also find me on Facebook and Twitter uh, mainly as well so um, and also I I do have a Patreon if you do want to join to support the show that way um, you get ad free and early episodes and things like that there's various benefits you can check out there so I'll have links to all that as well so um, but anyway thank you again Beverly so much for joining me again you know what I mean <laughs> it is my so, pleasure all right guys Well, you take care and we'll be back with another one real soon. Bye. Bye. This episode was produced by yours truly, Allison Dixon, and wouldn't be possible without the amazing contributions of countless friends, family, and Patreon supporters. Big shouts also go out to Nathaniel Dixon for all the show art, as well as Spencer Morlock and Ken Dixon for the music. I'll be back with something new next week. In the meantime, you know what to do. Be good, you little ding-dongs.